You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, it's been a pretty wild and crazy last 24 hours or so. Um, Lots of things to cover. I would say we're going to start with the biggest news, but I don't even know what the biggest news is, but... um, I want to start with the big controversy because it is maybe the biggest news, and it's also the thing I have not really the biggest opinion on. Um, but uh, Brian Flores came out with a massive amount of. Um, I mean, he just he just went after everybody for everything. He accused his former employer of um, the biggest, the, the potentially big. Everybody's kind of focused on the racism aspect, but I don't think there's he's going to get much out of that. The biggest one is the accusation that his employer, the Miami Dolphins, offered to pay him $100,000 to tank games. Um, I talked to my half-Mexican lawyer to try to get him on to talk about a couple of these things. I'm not so sure how much is there. I mean, the the biggest thing is, does he have proof of that? Because, like I put on Twitter... It's not what you know. It's what you can prove. But beyond that... I think the biggest thing is um, people are saying that the FBI might get involved for, for, for fixing games and whatnot. I don't know how that works. I've never really heard that come up before in terms of like when we've had discussions about tanking. I've never heard somebody say, yeah, um, I don't think they're going to do that because the FBI would take them to prison. I've never heard that before. I'm wondering, just wondering, I don't know, but I'm wondering if that has to do with, um, with gambling. In other words, I put a bet on my team to lose, and they lost. We're not talking about that. Unless, of course, he can prove that. Then there's kind of a slam-dunk thing here. But I, I, I guess I don't know. Maybe the FBI is in the business of protecting gamblers, in which case that's not fair to you know rig an outcome. I don't know. I don't know what the rule is or the intent of the law or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying a lot of people are saying a lot of things, and I don't know how many of these things are real. And beyond that, again, the biggest thing, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. You can say all kinds of stuff, but the other party's just going to say, uh-uh, and if you can't get past a very simple uh-uh, then this was a massive waste of time. And um, I don't know. I haven't gone through the whole document. I have no intention of doing that because it's not that interesting to me. Um, The biggest supposed slam dunk is a text message from Bill Belichick saying, hey, I heard you got the job uh, 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 appearing to be talking about Brian Dable. And again, I really don't think there's much there. Now, is something going to come of this when the, you know, because there's going to be a massive response to this and the NFL is going to do what they can to try to do something, but it's going to be the same thing they do with everything. It's the reason we have the Rooney rule, the reason we have end racism in the end zone. It's to appease everybody. So they're going to say, everybody's mad, let's find a way to appease them, and that's all this is going to be. At this point, that's all I see out of this. But again, I don't know. Apparently, Brian Flores is going to be on the news, so that's going to be the biggest thing to pay attention to. Um, Now, maybe his lawyers are telling him, you know, don't tell him all the information we have. We need to save that for court, but If he goes on the news and doesn't say anything substantive other than, you know, everybody's mean to me, everybody's racist, these guys were drunk, these guys were mean, I mean, you can say it, but again, he accused the the Broncos of showing up late for his interview and hammered and stuff, and the Broncos are like, are you kidding me? We were on time and completely sober, we got tons of notes, everything was like, what are you talking about? Again, do you have anything? Why would you even put it in a a lawsuit if you don't have more to substantiate that? And that's what a lot of people are saying is he must have something big if if he put this together. I don't know that he does. What information does he, did he secretly record that meeting? I mean, here's my thing. The hotel has cameras, right? 
He's alleging that the Broncos showed up late. They said, nope, we were there exactly on time, and the meeting started exactly on time. I feel like there's cameras somewhere in that hotel. Somebody's lying. I mean, the, the only real kind of slam dunk is the text messages from Bill Belichick, but even that, it's, it's mild. At best, you have the Giants hiring somebody before they interviewed Brian Flores, um, which would be a circumventing of the Rooney rule, which, first of all, what is the punishment for not following that? A fine? But second of all, how can you even prove that? Did they hire him? They didn't hire Dable. So how hard would it be for the Giants to just say, we didn't officially hire anybody? I don't know what Bill Belichick's talking about. Bill, Be- And that's the other thing. Bill Belichick even went on to say after that, when he still thought he was talking to Dable, he's like, hey, I hear from Buffalo and New York that you're their guy. Hope it works out for you. In other words, I'm hearing that these guys want you as their number one. And the Giants could be like, yeah, we, we did want Brian Dable for sure. But we went through the process. We interviewed several quality candidates. And in the end, we went with the guy that we thought we were going to go with. I don't know who's telling Bill who our favorite guys are. That's a problem or whatever. But yes, we were very intrigued by Brian Dable. We were, he was our number one candidate. We went through and we interviewed everybody else. Really like Brian Flores. But ultimately, we went with the guy that we felt is the best fit, and that's Brian Dable. What does he have to, to, to go against that? And to, and to go beyond that and to, to imply not only what happened, he can't even prove necessarily what happened. He wants to go further and say why it happened, which is because I'm black. There is no way in the world, unless he has a text message saying, I'm not hiring Brian Flores, he's black. No way in the world you're winning that. But again, he put it in the lawsuit, which is why, again, I, I struggle to see why. I, again, I don't know why he would put this together if he knows he can't win it. But he's even gone out to say that I'm, I'm doing this to help other people or whatever, trying to fall on his sword or whatever. But the point is, he's swinging wildly, and I don't know if he's going to hit anything. And of course, by the end of this, if everything gets swept under the rug and nobody ends up getting punished and there's no fines and no arrests and all this stuff, everyone's going to freak out and say, this is just further proof of corruption and racism and rich people getting over on little people and all. He put together a lawsuit, and from what I can tell, he can't prove a single allegation. I'm sorry, but that's, he has to prove this. And so far, there's nothing here that he can prove. Again, if he has text messages, which, <laughs> how stupid would you be to break a federal law if it is in fact a federal law via text message from a guy that you've said is not a great dude? Which, by the way, um, I'm not going to lie. There's accusations that Brian Flores is, is kind of a jerk. I don't know about you, but if my boss was like, dude, uh, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I want to give you a hundred grand if we maybe cool it because I want to be able to lose so we can go get that Joe Burrow kid, which is exactly how this happened, by the way. They won, didn't get the number one over pick. The Bengals locked it up after the Dolphins won, and then the Bengals got Joe Burrow, and the Bengals are now in the Super Bowl. So that's that's a thing that happened. But anyways, he's offering a hundred grand, and uh, even if I'm like, no, nah, dude, that's a little messed up, I'm not going to turn around and be like, I'm calling the feds on you after he fires me. <laughs> that's... That's a little harsh, man. I mean, it's one thing to say no. It's another thing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin your life because you fired me. That's a little vindictive to me. Maybe you would. I don't know. I wouldn't do that. And I also wouldn't be going after the, the Broncos saying, hey, they were drunk. Like, dude, okay, they're a garbage organization. I don't know. I, I'm just saying, it's, I, I would not have done this. Maybe the Giants thing, but even that, from my perspective, unless he has more information, I wouldn't. It just means that they liked Brian Dayball more than you. Again, if I had proof that they were discriminated against me, sure, I'll bring it out there. But he doesn't have proof. He just has proof that they liked another coach over him, and he's making it about racism and is trying to just burn everything to the ground and is being hailed a hero for that. I don't know that he is. I mean, if you want to unearth corruption, I guess that's cool. I don't, it just seems harsh to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, if I work in the NFL and I understand that it's kind of a dirty business, I just, I just, I struggle with that one, man. You know? And and is that what he's trying to do? Is he just trying to clean up the business? Does he want to just make sure there's no like tampering going on in the offseason and there's no tanking? Like it's just about the purity of the game or is he just an angry guy that got fired and isn't getting hired and is screaming this is about racism and so he's going to try to burn the NFL to the ground? Is this about the purity of the game or is this just about an angry guy who's just going to punish everybody for not hiring him? I don't know. Seems to me he's listing all the teams that uh that brought him in for an interview and they're trying, he's trying to burn those franchises to the ground, which a lot of people are saying he's never going to get a job now for doing this as though, you know, that's the wrong thing. He should get a job. I'm sorry. I would never interview this guy. If I interview him and I don't hire him, what's going to happen to me? If you interview him, you better hire him. In fact, don't even interview him. Just, just, just offer him a job on the spot. It's the same thing I said about Kaepernick that I, I couldn't believe what nobody would bring him in, right? 
And it was like, this is horrible. This is terrible that nobody will even bring him in. Nobody's given him a shot. One team did. The Baltimore Ravens are like, all right, you know what? Let's give him a shot. They brought him in. At the end of that, they're like, I'm sorry, dude. It's just not really working out. I don't think it's going to pan out. He attacked the Baltimore Ravens. He went after them and said, you're racist and went after them. It's like, why would anybody bring him in? I'm not dealing with that nonsense. I'm sorry. I got a team to run. I got stuff to do. I'm not dealing with this craziness. If people are doing bad stuff, you want to go have lawsuits, go ahead and do that stuff. I'm no, no way. No way. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking the risk of being attacked that if I don't end up hiring you, I'm going to get a lawsuit filed against me for racism. That's a little crazy. So again, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I am very curious to see if he has more information specifically about the organization he worked for, because you know there's communications, there's emails, there's text messages, there's all kinds of stuff. The question is, is the owner going to be smart enough to know not to put that in an email? And you'd have to think, well, yes, of course he is. But then you think about it again, and it's like, nah, I don't know. Again, we keep giving these, at least I do, keep giving these guys so much credit because they're um, big wig owners, billionaire, whatever people. And it's like, no, they're kind of stupid. They do stupid stuff, and they get caught, and they get in trouble. So we'll see. I don't know. Again, I, my expectation at this point, based on what I've seen, and maybe there's stuff that's buried in the document that hasn't come out because everyone's more interested about this Bill Belichick text message, which, by the way, the first time I saw this, I just kind of chuckled. I never thought for a second that it was a big deal. I think it was like Ian Rappaport posted him like, oh, burn, that sucks. Ha, ha, ha. Giggle, giggle. And then I saw the Ari guy come out and he's like, he's filing a lawsuit for racism and they posted that. And I'm like, wait a minute, how are these two things, how do they even go together? That doesn't even make sense. But whatever, again, best of luck to you, Brian. I'll be watching from afar. But again, my expectation is exactly this. This is going to get relatively quiet uh, because you have to set all this up and the legal this and legal that. And there's going to be negotiations between each team and Brian and Eventually, things will come up over time. Most of these things, if not all of them, will get swept under the rug. Brian Flores will get mad and say that this is proof of a corrupt system. And then there will be a massive flurry on Twitter saying the exact same thing. And this is horrible and all this stuff. And further proof. And really, it just comes down to he didn't have anything to really substantiate. It doesn't mean he's lying. It just means he didn't have proof to substantiate his claims. And again, I don't think there's good. I don't know how in the world he's going to be able to prove his allegations against the Broncos. I don't know how in the world he's going to be able to prove his allegations against the Giants unless he can uncover some text message between Brian Dable and the Giants. And again, why would any of that come out? That's going to be between Dable. You think Dable's going to like fall on a sword and be like, yeah, so they actually did let me know they were going to hire me, which does make sense. They probably would. Why? Because they don't want him to go somewhere else. They're like, look, we got some other interviews. Please, please, please don't accept any of that. We're going to. We're going to strongly, strongly, strongly consider you. We, we're going to give you the job, all right? So just just shut up and just please, please, please don't don't take another job, okay? We're going to give you so much money. Please don't don't take another job. But is that is that conversation going to come out? Of course it's not going to come out. I don't know what else to say. So keep an eye on what he has on Miami. Everything else seems like it's probably going to get swept under the rug. Unless, again, he's able to whip out some uh, hotel footage of these guys stumbling in a half hour late. But fat chance. In other massive giant news, Tom Brady has officially retired. I don't really have any reason to believe he's going to come back. I don't know. Um, It just doesn't feel like Tom Brady's going to do the whole Brett Favre song and dance. Never mind, I decided to come back. He may. I don't know. He just, he seems like he's, um, as much as I hate to compliment the guy, he seems like he's pretty well put together. And um, considering he's still playing at a really high level, I don't really, I just, I don't know. I think he knows, I think he just knows what he wants to do, and that's going to be it. I don't know. We'll see. He doesn't seem like a very volatile, I'm not really sure what I want to do kind of guy. He's, he, he, he's just kind of on point all the time. That's what made him such a great quarterback. He's just always on. So it's actually going to get really, really interesting throughout the NFL in terms of, um, well, everything. I mean, this is part of what makes the offseason so much fun, especially recently. As I've said, things just get crazier and crazier every year. Um, but you got to understand, we're talking about a completely different landscape. We still got to see what the Packers are, but... Tampa Bay, who has been a powerhouse for some time, um, lost Tom Brady and may be headed toward just garbageness. I don't know. Um, their starting quarterback, it seems like, is Kyle Trask. Uh, they're maybe just going to give him a shot, see how that goes. They got pretty far into the playoffs, so their ability to draft a new quarterback, at least this year, is is almost zero. Um, it's Well, it's, it's a weak quarterback class to begin with, but they're going to be at the back of the um, of the of all the rounds. Beyond that, Ken Ingles shined a little bit of light onto what the Buccaneers are going to be dealing with. 
Tom Brady's parting gift to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, $32 million of backloaded contract dead cap to hit their books over the next one to two years while he isn't even on the team. He went on to add to that. He said, I'm getting a lot of people saying, but they won a Super Bowl, so it's worth it. He says, okay, cool, but that's not applicable. The Buccaneers won the Super Bowl in February of 2021. The contract Brady signed causing the dead cap was done in March 2021 to get another one. In other words, a lot of this dead money isn't because of when they initially signed him. This was a rework contract to run it back one more time, and they're going to have to pay for all that. So as of right now, if we just go over to Spot Track and look at it, they've got um, $7 million here. Um, I believe, however, and see, I don't understand exactly how the um, dead cap works with retirement, but he said $32 million in dead cap, and that's what over the cap is showing. So I guess, or Spot Track, excuse me, is showing. So I'm just going to leave it at uh, basically as though he was released. That puts them actually at um, minus four overall. They they are in a worse cap standing than if Tom Brady had stayed. So they are now negative four. Um, and so they've got to make up a little bit of room here, which, you know, it's not going to be that hard to make all that up, but they're not in a position like they were before where it's let's, every, let's bring everybody back, especially if you're really going to be serious about this. There's no reason to, to, to push all this money out and bring everybody back. You got a lot of old guys that are making a lot of money, and you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, and you're basically not at all going to win the Super Bowl next year. So, you know, how, how much money do you want to pay 29-year-old Mike Evans? You know, I'm not saying you got to cut him. I'm just saying Shaquille Barrett done a good job, but he's 30. You know, how much, how much life does he have left? You're paying him 20 million bucks a year. Mike Evans is getting 20 million bucks a year. Left tackle Donovan Smith. I mean, some of these left tackles, I mean, he might have 10 more years in him for all we know, but he's 29. Levante David, he's 32 years old. You're paying him as a linebacker 15 million bucks. Uh, Ali Marpet is 29. Again, you don't cut 29 year olds, but you do recognize that by the time we're looking at, maybe making another run at this, you know, let's say it's in maybe two years. Uh, Marpet is 31. Mike Evans is 31. Shaquille Barrett is 32. Donovan Smith is 31. Levante David is 34. Uh, Cameron Braid is 31 right now. And Dominican Sue is 35. Ron Gronkowski is 33. Uh, your kicker, Ryan Suckup, is 36. So my expectation is... Um, I mean, again, they don't have to do much to get under the cap, but they also have their free agents that they may want to bring back or not. I mean, Antonio Brown, there's no way. He's 34 years old. The guy's an absolutely massive headache. He basically quit, and you said you're not bringing him back anyways. But even if that whole ordeal didn't happen, the guy's 34 years old. So we can just forget about him coming back. Um, but you got some other free agents like uh, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was a really big help to the team. He's only 25 years old. Um, so that's an issue where it's like, well, we wouldn't get rid of Mike Evans. It's like, well, Mike Evans is going on 30. Chris Godwin is going on 26. I mean, if it's me, I'm doing a swap. I'm paying Chris Godwin and I'm getting rid of Mike. But I, you know, I don't know. I'm just, the point is, it's going to be really hard with their situation to bring him back. Jason Pierre-Paul, 33 years old. Is he coming back? How about Ryan Jensen? He's a, he's a center for the team. Offensive line has done a pretty good job. He's a good center, but he's 30 years old. They were paying him 10 and a half million. Are you going to bring him back? JPP was 12.5. Uh, and Dominican Sue, Rob Gronkowski, William Golston is a big part of their defense. He's 30 years old. Uh, Leonard Fournette, probably want to bring him back, I guess. I don't know. They were only paying him 3.2, but based on how good of a job he did while he was there, I'm sure they got a discount because the guy was seen as damaged goods, but the guy was pretty good for them. He's probably going to want a little bit of, bump, of a bump. He's only 27. He's got a few more years left on the on the wheels. Richard Sherman, Ronald Jones, you know, Ronald Jones is just looking for his first contract with the team. So that's going to have to cost him some money. Le'Veon Bell, Alex Kappa. So they've, they've got some tough decisions to make, as do, you know, the Packers. But the Packers are looking at how to make this work with, um, with Aaron Rodgers staying. They're looking at how to make this work with... This is officially a rebuild, right? This is what I mean when, when Bears fans get all huffy about, you guys are in a rebuild and you won't admit it. It's like, listen... A rebuild is tearing down the old structure, right? We had a plan in place with a certain with with the coaches and the GM and the players and the philosophy and all that to win a Super Bowl. We have to cast all that off and rebuild a new thing in a new direction, right? New philosophy, right? Because all these guys are leaving. Our our quarterback is leaving, which is a, a big one, but it's not just that. Our wide receivers, some of our offensive linemen, a lot of our defensive line, a lot of these guys that we've been hanging on to for way too long because they're they're a core part of what we do. 
You know, our inside linebacker, who's been very, very good for us. Big part of why we're winning what we're winning, the, the reason behind our defensive philosophy and our offensive philosophy is the guys that you have. You build around the guys you have. And um, all that's going away now. So we have to rebuild and we have to uh, envision. It's not as though we can't necessarily envision building in the same way and having the same system and trying to get similar guys, but they're all new guys, right? We need to find a replacement for, okay, but we're still building all new pieces, all new players. The Packers are not doing that. They have to just get under the cap and, and shed some weight, but we're going in with the same guys. All of our core offensive linemen stay presumably our quarterback staying. We're going to try to bring back as many wide receivers as we can. The tight ends largely are going to be staying. I mean, we're going to be looking to upgrade in the draft, but that's what every team does every year. The running backs stay. The defensive line, we're going to be probably losing some of them, but our key defensive lineman, Kenny Clark, is staying. Outside linebacker is where we're going to shed some weight, but it's not changing our philosophy. We're keeping our core guys, and we're going to try to add to it if possible. We're going to try to keep our linebackers. We're going to keep our corners. We're going to try to keep our safeties. I mean, it's We're not building in a new direction. We're not tearing down the old structure that has gotten old and tired and and just isn't working anymore and going in a new... That's just not what we're doing. That is what the Buccaneers are going to have to do because um, not only is their quarterback leaving, not only do they not really have hope of winning in the near future, but all of their guys are getting way too old. So there does need to be a tearing down and a rebuilding. But again, it's not just the Buccaneers. You got the Raiders who are... um, you know, what are, what are they going to be doing with Derek Carr? You've got the 49ers. It seems like a foregone conclusion. Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. In fact, we've got an article here by ESPN. Jimmy Garoppolo says he expects a trade from the San Francisco 49ers and wants to be sent to a winning team. So, I mean, it's it's the Trey Lance era now, you know? So the 49ers, they, they went after it. They did the best they could, and they lost. Not good enough, right? And again, are they rebuilding? No, they're not rebuilding. They are going forward with a new quarterback, but that is not a rebuild. You've got the same coach with the same philosophy and the same offensive and defensive philosophy, and you're just trying to upgrade the version of what you have right now. Even if you go backwards, it doesn't make it a rebuild. It just means, shoot, we had to take a step back, but you know we're going to try to continue to move forward. That That's the NFL in a nutshell. You're, you're trying to, you're constantly going backwards. You're always going backwards. Right, that's that's kind of that that saying. If you're not, well, there's a couple different sayings I think. But if you're not going forward, you're going backward. Or if you're standing still, you're going backwards. In this case, in the NFL, that's absolutely true because your guys are getting older. Your your guys are getting you know less good. Not including necessarily young guys that you just drafted. Then the first couple of years, you assume that they get better. But but that's the point. You're trying to constantly add talent as talent is constantly going away. Whether they become too expensive, too old, whatever the case may be. So that's just a constant thing. That's not a rebuild. That's just, you know, we're fighting against the tide of decay. But lots of fun and interesting things going on. Um, And again, this is important because, like I said, every year we go into the year assuming that everything's going to be just the same as last year. And and there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Even teams that we thought were changing were not necessarily changing, like the Chiefs. Like, see, there's that evolution. And then here we go with the Chiefs again. Buffalo looked like they were floundering and then Buffalo becomes dominant and but there is that that evolution that we have to to pay attention to, and it's going to be the same with the 49ers, it's going to be the same with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, we're going to see them on the schedule and go, oh, great. And it's like, well, remember, not the same team. So got to keep an eye on what these teams are doing and where people are going, especially big stuff like this. We got to see where Jimmy ends up. Even the coaches, you know, the coaching turnover matters in terms of, um, you know, how that impacts things. The, the GM turnovers are are massive. You know, that's that's one of the reasons why there should be more parity in football is it's not just the fact that you get higher draft picks when you lose, but or when you're winning, you you draft at the back of the round. But also your coaches all get hired away, your personnel people all get hired away, your players all get hired away. So it'll be fun. Uh also in in the news, it's officially official for Washington. They are the Washington Commanders. Everybody's really mad about this. I I'm thrilled. First of all, I don't really care. I don't think any team names are like, dude, that's brilliant. Like the Bears or the Packers or the Lions. Or I mean, it's like, okay, <laughs> like it's all stupid. Who cares? The Detroit Red Wings. Like, what? What? What is a Red Wing? What does that even mean? What are we talking about here? Right? Like, I guess Vikings are pretty cool. Granted, you made them purple, which you know, not exactly the most masculine color in the world, but you know, whatever. Buccaneers, you know, Raiders. There's some cool names, but most of them are just animal. Cardinal. A freaking cardinal, a seahawk. That's not even a thing. There's not even a thing called a seahawk. It's like a it's like a category of bird. I think I don't even know. I don't know what it is. All kinds of birds, falcons and uh, eagles. I mean, where does commanders rank in uh, the hierarchy of of names? I don't know. Relatively high. 
clearly above Packers. I mean, I don't have a problem with Packers because it grows on you, but let's just think about what it is. Think about like a, a I've been binging some Marvel movies. Just pick, think about like all these different things lining up in this massive battle. You've got a, a pride of lions. You got a freaking tree full of cardinals. You've got commanders, which, you know, probably not super great because they're the ones that command, not, not, but, you know, it's fine. They're, they're, let's just picture soldiers, I guess. And then you got, you know, guys in white aprons and, and white gloves with fistful of, fistful of uh, beef stew meat. You know, I, I'm just saying, shouldn't throw stones. But I'm just glad I don't have to call them the Washington football team anymore. I'm so glad. That's so stupid. I'm so exhausted with that. The WFT, the Washington football team, the football team. Get out of here with this stupidity. It's going to take me a while to come around to commanders, but thank you. Thank you so much. I don't know why it took you so long. I forgot to do my wordle today, dude. I got to do my wordle. <laughs> Go on Twitter and it's, it, wordle is trending every single day and that's always my reminder. Wordle 228. Oh yeah, I got to do my wordle. I wonder if I can make it the next five minutes without stopping my podcast and doing the Wordle. I'm going to do my best here. Anyways, um, that's kind of just the general news and notes. The, the two big things, again, the, the controversy. Um, again, everyone's saying that it's, it's a, you know, a, a big thing about racism and a racism thing. I don't think it is. It, it's, a, it's a lawsuit against multiple people, and the biggest and most substantive one is the one that happened in Miami. So that's the thing that we all need to be paying attention to. Everyone else wants to watch the Giants. I'm watching Miami. And that's that's where we really need to be staying focused because that could be pretty serious. In fact, I had my half Mexican lawyer reach out, give me some clarity on that. Um, I could give you the information, but he's teasing possibly coming on. I don't know. We'll see. I'll withhold the information, the, the legal document he handed me here, or the uh, U.S. code that he sent me that kind of gave some clarity. But anyways, um, some other good news and notesy stuff, uh, including Mo Drayton and uh, other things, which we will get to on the other side of the break. But uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here, because I want to dive into some of this stuff a little bit. Um, as always, please do not forget about Drew. He, we're trying to help him get his uh, seizure service dog. Thank you very much to Chris, if I didn't say that already. I don't think I did. Chris Gjostic for the $50 donation to Drew. Really, really appreciate that. We're trying to help Drew get um, his seizure service dog. He was diagnosed with epilepsy, so that's going to be a big help. But it is a massive, massive cost, and the number is actually going down. I think he's found some um, some grants and things that have brought this number down, but it is still a massive expense. So anyways, uh, thank you guys for your uh, donations and support. It's going to be a long haul to get him where he needs to be, but uh, just keep clipping away, man. That's all we can do. Um, also, it's February, so I should probably do my donation. I was going to do one every month, so I will get on that. Also, please do not forget to uh, check out a modernfrontier.com if you are in the Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio, Minnesota, roughly this the Midwest somewhere, and you're looking to find a supplier for some meat. A buddy of mine, Adam, has started his own business. He's got some really high-quality grass-fed beef as well as pork. I believe some chicken. I don't really Let me check out his website. He's been updating that pretty regularly. Oh, he added pictures to it, which is cool. He's also got a butcher's dozen ground beef, which to be honest, that might just be need, need to be something I need to do one of these days because I'm pretty much just living on tacos these days. So um, there you go. But if you go online, you can get the one eighth grass fed beef box, the butcher's dozen ground beef or the one quarter pastured pork box, which again, it's hard to find them in these quantities. These are slightly smaller quantities than you'll find usually. Usually it's a, a quarter beef and a half a pig is, is about the smallest you'll find. Which again, that's that's too much for me. It's not going to fit in my freezer and all that. So this is perfect for me. But the um, best thing you can do is head to a modernfrontier.com. Send him a message. Just ask him what he'd be willing to do. And I'm sure he'd be happy to work with you on some things. Make sure you use uh, the promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps, MEATPACKER. And you're going to get $25 off your order. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so Mo Drayton was officially let go, and this was not even something that was announced by the team. Um, I know a lot of people were worried about it. I was even beginning to get worried about it just because who knows, man? Who knows? I didn't... It seemed... It's one of those things where it's like, it's impossible. There's no way they're going to do it. And then you start to worry that maybe, what if they do, though? And then you freak out. And then then they you find out they let the guy go, and it's like, all right, I was kind of stupid for freaking out about it. I should have just stuck by my guns and said, there's no way... This is stupid, you guys. Are, but but I I got caught up in the panic, man. I freaked out a little bit. But uh, somebody on Twitter had messaged me generally, um, expressing the opinion that I'm that I'm pretty much holding, and that is, you know, the the Packers caught a lot of flack for the way that they handled certain things. Aaron Rodgers put the team on blast for the way that they they deal with people, the way that they've been firing people and letting people go without any real class, you know, and so. They they had mentioned that they're they're going to look into that. They're going to try to you know. The, the, Brian Gutekunst essentially said, "No, that's not true. We we do things the right way." But the point is, they're they're going to be very cautious about how they do those things going forward. And the one thing they're not going to do is publicly execute Mo Drayton the way that the fans wanted. They wanted his head. They want his blood. Even though hilariously, the fans were also taking Aaron Rodgers' side, saying, "Yeah, you guys have no class." And then they were mad at the Packers for being classy with Mo Drayton and not making a a public uh, not doing a public execution with him. But um, I guess that's to be expected from us fans. Um, But I'm of the opinion that this was, first of all, decided a long time ago. It was probably communicated to him a long time ago. It just didn't make its way back to us, right? It's similar to the Aaron Rodgers vaccination thing. The team knew the whole time. We just found out later. And then everybody ran with the, well, he lied. No, everybody knew. They just didn't make it public information to us because it's not for us to know. They're under no obligation the second they make a decision to fire Brian Flores to come flying out of the woodwork and say, we are here to inform you, our humble owners, um, that we have fired Mo. They didn't. And so it's still not even out. The team has not released that information. Tom Silverstein found out that information and uh, relayed that to us. Um, I, I do think it probably happened relatively recently because I have a hard time believing it took several weeks for that to leak out. But um point is it's done and we don't need to freak out and i don't want to see any speculation well that should have been done a week ago maybe it was all right just calm down he's gone but that does lead to the question of what the packers are going to do at special teams i have to assume they learned their lesson this will not be an internal hire they're going to have to go elsewhere um and they're probably going to need to jump on it pretty quickly the number one uh area everybody's looking at is mr rich bisakia the guy who uh, took over as head coach of the raiders after the firing of um uh, what's his name, Gruden, because he got, you know, kind of cut his chops as a special teams coordinator. Um, I mean, he's been doing this since 1983. He was a defensive backs coach and special teams coach for Wayne State. So a very long time, almost 40 years coaching football, but um, moved up, did some quarterback wide receiver stuff for Wayne State, 
graduate assistant tight end wide receiver coach south carolina volunteer sit blah 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 um let's see south carolina through 1993 then he went to clemson running backs coach and special teams coach then in 1999 he went to ole miss running back coach and special teams coach um stayed in ole miss for some more stuff then he went to the tampa bay buccaneers as a special teams coordinator 2002 2007 um assistant head coach running back coach special teams coordinator tampa bay buccaneers Got a new title for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then he went to the Chargers, 2011, special teams coordinator. Um, got a new title with the Chargers. Then he went to the Cowboys, 2013 to 2017, assistant head coach, special teams coordinator. Then he went to the Raiders, assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, um, until finally becoming interim head coach and special teams coordinator. So the odds of us being able to bring him back just as a special teams coordinator are almost zero. I mean, you're going to have to give him that title of assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. That's That's almost a given at a minimum. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. It's probably a nothing title. And unfortunately, it's going to have to come with some additional duties, meaning he's not primarily focused on special teams. He's going to have some administrative head coaching duties. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. If you want him, it's going to come at a heavy price tag. It's going to come with some additional responsibilities. And it's going to come with the, uh, I mean, what, listen, what the guy wants is to be a head coach. Um, he didn't get the gig as the Raiders head coach, but he does want somebody to consider him as a head coach. And, and you're, you might be competing with him to potentially get that. Obviously, if anybody else is willing to, to roll the dice and, and give him a shot as a, as a head coach, I don't know how many special teams coordinators become head coaches, but if there ever was one, this seems to be the guy. I think the biggest complication is you're going to need a, you know, Usually you've got a head coach that's got offensive or defensive experience. Now he's got wide receiver, tight end, running back, all kinds of different stuff, but you're going to want to hire the offensive coordinator to be calling plays on offense and a defensive coordinator to call plays on defense. So you, you've got kind of this relatively unique structure where the the number one offensive guy is your offensive coordinator, the number one defensive guy is your defensive coordinator, and then you've got the head coach that kind of runs the whole ship, which honestly, maybe that's the way it should be. That obviously, it honestly is not the worst thing to at least try out. This whole, you know hybrid head coach slash offensive or defensive coordinator plus another offensive or defensive coordinator I, I don't know but anyways that that is going to be the thing he will not just come here as a special teams coordinator I don't even know the last time he was just a special teams coordinator was 2011 for the San Diego Chargers and he was that for one year before they promoted him to assistant head coach and special teams coordinator the next time he got hired by Dallas it was immediately assistant head coach and special teams coordinator again I don't know exactly what that means but it, it's going to give him a role in Matt LaFleur's offense that I don't, or on his team that I don't know that he wants to give him. Um, I mean, you could say it's just a name, but, you know, that, that's not going to help him. If his goal really is to become a head coach and he has assistant head coach and special teams coordinator of the Green Bay Packers and he goes and hires as a head coaching uh, guy and they say, okay, what were your responsibilities for the Packers? And he's like, well, basically I was just a special teams coordinator. It was just a name only. That doesn't help him. You know, he wants the extra responsibility. He wants that extra duty. He wants to be as close to the head coach and as close to to these guys as possible. And again, are you is Matt LaFleur willing to concede part of his team to Rich Bisakia just to ensure that we get a good special teams coach? And a guy that, again, is going to be spending half his time doing administrative head coaching duties. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying it's not possible or that it's not even a good idea. I just don't know that it's the best fit for either of them. In terms of just looking at teams who've done a really good job, and obviously you're not going to just hire away their special teams coordinator, right? If, if for example, if we just look at uh, PFF grades and DVOA and whatnot, Green Bay and and actually Green Bay finished second as far as not DVOA but PFF. Seattle they actually had lower by a little bit, but you got to understand thirtieth is the New York Giants. They had a 65 overall grade. You drop all the way down to Green Bay at 59, and then Seattle's 57. According to um, DVOA, the Packers were dead last, and then you have Jacksonville, Denver, Miami, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there are a few teams at the top. The, the, the most difficult thing, though, again, is if we look at, for example, PFF and just say the New Orleans Saints were number one, 91.5 special teams grade. First of all, how much of that is just having a really good returner, right? Because that's not really the special teams coach. If you've got a guy, if you've got a Devin Hester on your team that can just return like crazy... I mean, you have to have some help beyond that, but it also kind of skews, you know, how good would the Packers have been if they had a guy like that? They would have been a much better, at least. 
But even so, you look at the the amount of guys that graded out well, you got 14 guys with a 70 overall grade or higher. Packers certainly didn't have that. Not even t- I'm not talking about returners. I'm talking about blockers and you know kick return, kick coverage, punt return, punt coverage, field goal block, and field goal kick. We're talking the blockers, the pass rushers, the whatever. The Packers had six, you know, six. One of them was Sean Davis. He played one snap. Another was Devondre Campbell. He played seven. So um, of guys that were... I guess even if we keep Campbell in there as being relatively consistent, um, we're talking about uh, five guys. I'm sorry, that wasn't snaps, that was games. Uh, Sean Davis, nine. Devondre Campbell, eight. So it's actually, it was it was four guys. Oren Burks, TJ Slayton, Razul Douglas, who only played 90, but still will count that. And then Henry Black, 334, was our, was our ace on special teams. 88.6 overall grade for Mr. Henry Black. Everybody else was not... Very good. In fact, if you look at guys with below a 60 grade, we had 24 of them. Of the guys that played a bunch that had bad grades, Tyler Davis, um, Amari Rogers, not surprisingly, Corey Bajorquez with a 57 overall grade, um, A.J. Dillon, 54, Kylan Hill, 76, Tyler Lancaster, one, um, 76, I'm reading their total snaps, well, uh, 51 overall grade for him, John Runyon, 49, Malik Taylor, 48, Isaac Yadam, 47. That's the guy that came out and defended the special teams coach. Um, Josiah DeGuara, 44. Isaiah McDuffie, 43. Hunter Bradley, a 40. Then you got Steve Wirtel, which is it's just hilarious that Hunter Bradley was so bad, and we got the one guy on earth that was worse at long snapper at a 37.7 overall grade. Patrick Taylor with a 30 overall grade, and the worst was Dennis Kelly. He only played 21 snaps, but he had a 29.8 overall grade on special teams. It was a complete and total disaster. But again, even if we go over to the New Orleans Saints, we can't say, hey, you want to come work for us in special teams? The coordinator's not going to do that, and he's not going to get fired. And so you've got uh, Darren Rizzi, who is the guy that uh, a lot of people wanted um, for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, He goes... Apparently, Brian Gutekunst, uh, Mark Murphy, they decided to cheap out. He wanted too much money, and they're like, nah, we're not doing that. He goes to the the Saints, and they end up having, according to PFF, the best special teams unit. Um, so fat chance of that. However, you do have Phil Galliano, who is the assistant special teams coach. So that's one of those things where maybe we talk to that guy and see if he can bring over what Darren Rizzi did. He's been the assistant special teams coach over there for three years. He's got a little bit of experience. Started in the NFL as a special teams guy in 2012, so he's been doing the special team stuff since that period of time. So, I mean, that, that's the tough part from from my perspective. The only other thing that you can really do is find a really good special teams guy in college and see if they want to make the jump to the NFL. I don't know how common that is. I don't know what the differences are and if that's even realistic, but you can do that. For example, number one special teams unit via PFF in college football was Georgia. So you've got a guy by the name of Scott Cochran. Scott Cochran is a special teams coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs, top special teams unit in all of college football. It's worth giving him a call. He's a relatively young guy. Um, he was 13 years as head strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. In 2020, he came over as a special teams coordinator. But, you know, all the more reason. If you're looking for that young, up-and-coming, hungry, talented guy, you got a guy that took over the special teams in 2020, and in 2021, you're the number one unit. They ranked 32nd in, um, in 2019. He comes over in 2020, and they jumped to fourth, and in 2021, they're number one. Now, again, you don't know exactly how much that has to do with this guy, and, and as opposed to guys that got recruited and coming in, but um, I don't care how good of a pile of guys you have. Obviously, you've got some talent on that team, but you got to know what to do with them. And so to jump from 32nd, to fourth in your first year and then be the number one unit the next year. I'm just saying, maybe see what the guy's up to. So, I mean, there's, there's tons of options. Uh, there's tons of different directions you can go. Um, you know, even if you just look at other teams that are in college that have done a good job, you got Georgia, South Carolina, App State, Colorado, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Boston College, Penn State, Notre Dame, uh, Missouri. Notre Dame is interesting because uh, Matt LaFleur has some connections there. So maybe if, if, if there's a connection there, Actually, it looks like they just hired a new special teams coach. So who do they just fire? Oh, maybe it's because of the whole uh, Brian Kelly thing. They just lost the whole staff. Well, who was it? Brian Polian. All right, so there you go. Brian Polian operated Notre Dame special teams units for years under Kelly. He has accepted that a similar position under Kelly's staff at LSU. 
So probably can't get ripped away. He seems to be pretty loyal over there, but who knows? Maybe. You never know. Doesn't look like there's overlap either. Matt LaFleur was there in 2014. Uh, he got over to Notre Dame in 2017. So there's a pretty big gap there. 2014, he was in Nevada. But that's the thing. It's, 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 it's hard to kind of even dig into it because I can tell you which teams had good special teams units. I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you what to do with that information because we're not going to hire their special teams coach. And I can't tell you how much the coordinators are going to be able to help us over here, other than just trying to emulate what they did over there. So something to keep an eye on uh, when these coaches come in. We'll kind of look at their resumes and whatnot. But again, it's, it's so hard to, to gauge whether somebody's going to be a good or a bad hire. You never know. Again, our, our defensive coordinator, there was no reason to believe that that was going to be any good. And depending on how you gauge it, there were certainly some positives there. And there's reason for optimism that year two is going to be a pretty good year. We'll see. There's one other thing I wanted to address. I haven't heard a ton of it, but there has been at least a little bit of this uh, question, and, and I think for, for decent reason, especially with Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl last year. We got the Rams going to the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think it's, it makes sense that some people, especially the pro all-in people, which, again, I don't even know what that means, but um, are kind of getting uppity about the way to win is to go all-in. Right? We've got two years in a row, Tampa Bay, Spent a ton of money. They went on and got Tom Brady and everybody in existence, and they won a Super Bowl. This year, the Rams, they go all in. They get uh, Von Miller. They get OBJ. They get Matt Stafford. They're in the Super Now, to be clear, and maybe this is why I haven't heard a ton about it, is because many people recognize if the Rams don't win, it was for nothing. doesn't mean anything. Well, they got farther. No, 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 no. You don't get to play that game. Because when the Packers get far and don't win, you say it doesn't count. So if the Rams don't win, nothing they did matters. In fact, it was a hindrance to them, just like what we said about Tampa Bay. They went all in again. They didn't win. Now they're headed for disaster. It comes at a cost. So the Rams still need to win in order for this to not be a complete failure, because that's essentially what it is. Assuming the plan is go all in and win a Super Bowl, right? That is the plan. Obviously, again, if we're just talking about more enjoyable, et cetera, et cetera, fine. But I still prefer if we're just going to say win a lot of games and don't win Super Bowls, I would rather prolong success than like a flurry of two years of, you know, playoffs and then disaster. Call it personal preference. But here, here's my biggest issue with the whole thing is that it's really not a very well thought out theory. It's not. I mean, and again, I've never had anybody be able to accurately define what all in means because any definition of all in is largely going to include what the Packers have done. And um, I think you'll find some very casual thinkers say things like, what, you think Devondre Campbell is as good as OBJ? The general issue I have is that good data and good theories help predict the future. Bad data predicts the past. Right? I've given the example about the, 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 the Bible codes and all that stuff, right? You know how you know it's garbage because it will not help you predict the future. There is nothing, there, you, nobody has figured out a single code that they've been able to decode that's going to tell you the future. All we can do is say, if you take the third letter of each uh, scripture and in, in these things and all the, then it spells out Hitler 1942 or something. You know, it's like, okay, well, it was trying to tell us. No, it's not. You found out after the fact, and then you went back and found it in the past. It's the same thing we're doing here. We're taking a linear straight line and we're starting with the Rams success and we're saying, okay, the Rams are successful. What did the Rams do? The Rams spent a bunch of money in free agency. Okay. So the way to win is to spend a bunch of money in free agency. You're going the wrong direction. You're reading into the past. You're reading from the present into the past. I want you to take what we know and read into the future. So tell me your, your theory and your philosophy. If you do this, then this. Okay. Let's test it though. Tell me what your theory is. The way to win is to go big in free agency. Is that what it is? You mean like the Jaguars did, like the Patriots did, like the Titans did, like the Giants did, like the Jets did, like Washington did, like the Chargers did, like the Panthers did, like the Texans did? You're not proving any form of correlation whatsoever. You're putting out a theory that has been disproven over and over and over again, and the fact that it's actually hit one time, potentially two times in a row, you're saying, see, this proves it. I never said, and, and nobody has ever said that if you go all in, you'll never win. The point is that going all-in doesn't guarantee a win, and you can prove that every single year because, again, half the league is going quote-unquote all-in. They're spending a massive amount of money on, on, um, on prospects. Whether you do total value average per year or just total players that they went in and got, Tennessee Titans, 34 players. Houston Texans, 34 players. If you're talking value, $288 million, New England Patriots, across 27 players. 
you cannot predict the future for me. You can't do that because you can't tell me into the future based on what happens in free agency, who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can't. And so that's why the whole theory to me is just bunk. It doesn't tell me anything. And, and what does it mean if Cincinnati wins? If Cincinnati wins, what does that tell you? Anything? The Rams have spent years and years and years and years destroying their future, whether that be through the salary cap or just the fact that they have no young talent that they've been developing because they've thrown away all their draft picks. This is what they've done in an effort to go all in and win now. And if they lose, it will be to a team that law that that won because of largely a handful of people. Number one, though, is a guy that they got in the draft, Joe Burrow. It was a first-round pick, the thing that the the, um, the Rams have been throwing away left and right. And, and then the following year, another first-round pick, Jamar Chase. That isn't to say they've done nothing in free agency, but but again, it's it's such a silly thing that is so tired, right? And and it's it's because, well, I wanted OBJ, they got OBJ, they won a Super Bowl. Therefore, if we want it, got OBJ, we want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, you also wanted J.J. Watt. Look at the Arizona Cardinals. How many guys did the Arizona Cardinals get? By the way, Cincinnati, one of the guys that they gave up, A.J. Green, went to the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins, who was considered the best wide receiver in football at the time, went to the Cardinals. They've also been drafting a bunch of wide receivers on top of that, but then they go out and get J.J. Watt. They're going out and getting all the big names because they feel like this is this is it, right? This is our team. We got a real shot here. This is about to happen. Just wait and see. Everybody loved it. Watch out for the Cardinals. Here they come. What happened? They completely collapsed. So I'm open to the idea that it, it seems as though there can be some benefit. I'm open to that. Uh, again, Tampa Bay went heavy and won. L.A. went heavy and won. But for every one that does it, 10 don't. So you've got to refine your theory a little bit. Because we know 100% that spending a ton of money on big names doesn't do anything. In fact, the vast majority of the time, the big names are bad football players. The vast majority of the time, the big name football players are bad, but we just forget, right? When free agency happens, we all get all hyped up and we all say, oh, they got so-and-so, he's going to be so good. And then when they don't do anything, we just forget about it. But then we focus on the couple that were good and we say, see, 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 should have gone all in. See, 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 should have got that guy. If we got everybody that you wanted, which would be impossible, the vast majority would be complete failures. No question, Odell Beckham and Von Miller have helped the Rams. There's no qu- and, and, and Stafford. But that was never a guarantee to begin with. And again, to say that I know this theory works because of this, well, you're ignoring the other 10, 11, 12, 15 teams that did similar things that are not working. How do you explain that? Go all in and get lucky? Isn't that what we're doing right now? As far as let's just build the best team and and hope we get some lucky breaks? I mean, that's the whole thing. That's the point. You're just trying to build a, a good team. The Rams did what they could to build the best possible team, and they did it through free agency. And then it just comes down to luck, the way the cookie crumbles, man, the way the ball bounces, literally in this case. But I mean, the, the, if anything, the Packers are not proof that you're right. The Packers are proof that you're wrong. The Packers have been much more aggressive in free agency. The, the, a major part of this roster is built of free agents, especially some of its best players, and they're still not winning the Super Bowl. So Darius Smith has been hurt. Preston Smith has largely been a disappointment, not necessarily this year, but he has been. Billy Turner has been a starting right tackle for the vast majority of the time he's been here. Adrian Amos has been a keystone piece for this team. Devondre Campbell, I mean, he's literally one of the best linebackers in all of football this year. Razul Douglas, one of the better corners this entire year. They're all free agents. And by the way, the Packers' salary cap is at about zero. So you can't really go any more all-in than spending all your money to acquire free agents and then having those free agents be really good football players. I don't know what more you expect. But again... Lots of teams go all in, and then you just don't hear anything about it anymore. Tennessee went out and got Bud Dupree, spent $16.5 million on it. Kansas City Chiefs went out and got Joe Thune. The Giants, remember how much money they spent on Kenny Galladay? How about the Chargers and Corey Lindsley? Remember how much of a disaster that was that we're losing them and they're getting them, and man, you get an offensive line and they're going to be able to block. They got Belaga now, they got Lind- all these things, and we, we, we theorize about how brilliant it is and how amazing it is, and they're paying them, and we're not paying them, and they're going to be good, and we're going to be bad. But then when, they, when the Chargers aren't good, we just forget, like, oh, never mind, let's forget about that. We don't want to talk about that. New England, again, they went out and got Matt Judon, Janu Smith, Hunter Henry, uh, they got Jalen Mills at cornerback. They got Nelson Aguilar at wide receiver. They went out and got uh, Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver from San Francisco. They got uh, uh, Devon Godshock, the defensive tackle from Miami. They got Kyle Van Noy from Miami back to New England. 
they got uh, Henry Anderson from the Jets to do it. They went out and got a ton of guys. In fact, if you're looking at 2021, just free agency, I'm not talking about the guys they added later, but just free agency, you know who's dead last? It's the Rams. It's the Rams. They got uh, five players, $4.49 million. In free agency, they lost John Johnson to Cleveland. They lost Samson Ibukam to the 49ers. They lost Troy Hill to Cleveland. They lost Morgan Fox to uh, Carolina. They lost Gerald Everett to Seattle. Uh, let's see. They lost Deshaun Jackson to Las Vegas. They lost Josh Reynolds to Tennessee. They lost Malcolm Brown to Miami. Remember, this is a team that's selling, selling, selling because of all the stuff that they've been doing. They've been purging players as a result of this. They brought in Odell Beckham from Cleveland, paid him $1.25 million. They lost Jake McQuaid to Dallas. Uh, what else we got here? Derek Rivers went to Houston. You got Blake Bortles went to Green Bay. And then you've got, uh, let's see, Corey Bajorquez went uh, from Buffalo to L.A., and then we got him. They lost Austin Blythe to Kansas City. Da, da, da. Uh, let's see, Kareem Orr. So, so they were sellers in free agency, not even buyers. They were sellers. I mean, really, if you just look at their team um, compared to other teams, there's just there's not that many. I mean, it's just a sea of free agents for every team has got just a pile of guys. The Rams, it's just, it's not that many. They traded for three guys and picked up a few more in free agency. That's that's it. I mean, it's again, Matt Stafford is a pretty big one. Von Miller is a big one, and, and people want to make OBJ out to be a big one. But compared to, I mean, how many big name guys have, again, I don't, I don't want to go through the whole list, but a lot of guys with really big names have, uh, have been involved in trades. Need I remind you of Julio Jones? Should I remind you how much people said, who's going to stop Tennessee? But again, we don't talk about it. Why? Well, because it didn't work, so we don't talk about it anymore. Why not? If it works, we don't stop talking about it. We don't stop talking about how that's how you know every everybody that didn't get Odell was stupid and it's brilliant that they traded for it. So we got to deal with that for weeks and weeks and months and months and months. But yet we don't hear for weeks and weeks and months and months and months how stupid Tennessee was. Tennessee went out and got Julio Jones. Look how stupid that was. It was so stupid. Why are you so stupid? Can't believe you're so stupid. I can't believe you're so stupid. Why are you so stupid? Nobody does that. Why? Because for some reason we have a different, it's, well, it wasn't stupid. It was brilliant. It just didn't exactly work. I don't, I don't understand that double standard. So again, I, I, there's nothing wrong with free agency, but you got to give me something else. You got to work with me a little bit more than look at the Rams did and it worked. What did they do? Tell me what they did. Well, they traded for Odell Beckham. That's not a, that's not a theory that I can run with. How do you win in the NFL? You trade for Odell Beckham. <laughs> By the way, Cleveland did that. They did not win. Did not work. So we already know that theory, even though it's not even a theory that makes any sense, it still, by itself, doesn't work. The Giants had him, Cleveland had him, didn't matter. Von Miller, trade for Von Miller. Really? The Broncos had him for many years, although they did actually have success once, but just once. What is the theory? How do you win? What do you do? And if you say go all in, what does that mean? Prove to me that it works, which you can't, and then tell me what it means. Spend all your money on proven talent, like Arizona did. Okay. So again, I, I, I know that this is a thing and I'm not even, again, it's not, I'm not even going to stand against you if you say that going all in is this great strategy. I, I just want to hear something more comprehensive and, and, and intelligent from the all in community. Tell me what it takes to win. What is the theory? And then you're going to have to apply that to all 32. I'm going to apply that to all 32 teams in, the, in 2021. And if I find a team that followed your strategy and lost, then your, your strategy doesn't make sense. Well, what's your strategy? I, that's the point. There is no strategy. There, there is no guaranteed strategy, which is why you guys got to just stop saying, we should have done what they did. No, we shouldn't. What you do is you build the best possible team to win a Super Bowl. And just because you didn't win doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It just means you didn't win. All 32 teams, although this doesn't happen, but it's possible all 32 teams could make the absolute best decision for their team to make the best possible team for themselves. And guess what? 31 of them are still going to lose. There is no, there is no cheat code. There is no perfect strategy that doesn't exist. And so, if you're, so here, here is ultimately my strategy. Build the best possible team you can without damaging your future. That, I think, is the best possible strategy. Now, there is going to be somewhat of a balance because if you're holding back a little bit to not damage your future, you're holding back a little bit. And then you got to determine, did that little bit of holding back cause us to lose in the Super Bowl? And should we adjust that so that we're a slightly more aggressive 
toward, you know, sort of damaging the future or whatever. But again, look at our current situation. This is the other problem I have with people saying, well, if we had had T. Higgins, if we had had Odell Beckham, all that stuff, the problem in this particular game with this particular season was not wide receivers. It was our quarterback and our special teams. Odell Beckham doesn't fix that. Odell Beckham is not going to get more wide open than Alan Lazard was. So that doesn't fix that situation in this situation. And if you have Aaron Rodgers playing well, then we probably win the game. And we might be in the Super Bowl right now. But he didn't. And there's nothing we could have done in free agency that would have fixed that. And I'm not saying, well, it's Aaron Rodgers' fault, so he needs to go. No, that was just that situation in that one game. Right? Everybody wants just the quick fix, the magic pill. Well, Rodgers was the reason we lost. We should get rid of Rodgers and then we'll win. That's not how that works, dude. I'm sorry. That's the thing. I can't tell you how we're going to win. There is no formula. There is nothing. And I know you want there to be. And that's, that's the reason everybody's so obsessed with the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the whole all-in philosophy. It's people that are just obsessed with, there's a way. There's a way. We know the way. The way is get the best players and then you win. Just, just, just gather them all together. Get all the Odell Beckhams and the, the Julio Joneses. Get, all, get like 17 elite wide receivers. Just get all of everybody and then we win. Go get J.J. Watt. Go get Odell Beckham. Go get Von Miller. Well, we can't afford that. Well, go get them. Salary cap is a myth. Just spend more money of, of the future. You know, in 2022, we can just pay all punters. <laughs> everybody, gets, everybody gets minimums. Y'all get a million bucks to come play. We're just, we're just hiring punters because that's all the money we got. Because we have like $200 million in dead cap. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm not anti quote unquote all in. I'm not anti any of that stuff. I just want somebody to tell me something that makes sense because everything I hear is just nonsense and I just don't want to have this conversation again. I, I, if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it in a way that makes sense. So the first step for the all in crowd is going to be to um, have the Rams win. The second step is going to be to prove that the Rams were the ultimate picture of all in, which is going to be tough. The third is to prove that all the other teams that went quote-unquote all-in and lost had some kind of a different philosophy, and that's why they lost. And then the fourth, and this is going to be the hardest one, is to write out concisely what specifically the Rams did right and everybody else did wrong and how we can apply that here in Green Bay, given our current situation, our current finances, our current roster. If you're not willing to do that, then I'm not willing to have a conversation with you, because we're right back to where we started, which is build the best possible team you can, which is what the Packers do every single year. Sometimes they're more successful than others. I think the last three years, they've built very, very good rosters. Well, why didn't they win? Because it's football. Because it's football. That's the answer to the question. I don't know what else to tell you. Tampa Bay Buccaneers built a really freaking good team, like a really good team. They lost. Why? Well, guys didn't play as well as the other team. There's two teams playing. Only one team can win. Two teams built really good rosters. One of them has to lose. Has to. And there is no cosmic answer in the universe for why. That's how football is structured. One of these two teams that has done a really good job building very good rosters has to go home, despite the fact that they've built a very, very, very talented roster. They have to. That's what happened with the Packers and the 49ers. Two teams, two good rosters, two good coaches, two good GMs, building and and driving in the right direction, playing good football. One of them has to go home and the Packers were that team. Well, it's happened so many times in a row. I, I get that. Again, I mentioned my son is he just came down a few minutes ago. He wants me to put risk on his tablet. It costs thirteen freaking dollars for risk. I'm not doing that. But one of the most frustrating things about risk, if you've ever played that, especially the board game, you roll the dice and you just keep losing, right? You keep throwing like ones. And it's like this is impossible. How is this even possible? I don't know, but it is. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm I I I didn't sin and that's causing the dice to fall the wrong way. It's not my strategy. It's not the way I hold the dice. It's not the way I blow on the dice. It's not the fact that I'm trying to invade Kamchatka and the universe is against me. I'm just rolling the dice and it's coming up ones. And I keep losing. And I keep losing. And I keep losing. And I want to flip the table over because it feels impossible. It's not possible that by random chance it just keeps coming up heads, 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 heads. It should come up tails eventually. And you know what? It will. But the fact that the Packers in the last three years have had good teams and didn't win a Super Bowl does not mean that they're doing something just fundamentally wrong that we have to figure out. They're not aggressive enough. They're too aggressive or they're too nice or they're too mean or they're too... They just lost. They just lost. It's not to say there isn't something you can learn. There has to be. You got to tweak a little bit here and there and there. But at the end of the day, and this was the ultimate... This is the best part about how we lost. The fact that it was Aaron Rodgers that largely lost it for us. It was it was our key players like Mercedes Lewis, one of the most guys that we can re- rely on the most who let us down because it just demolishes all of that other stuff. You're going to sit here and talk to me about T Higgins when our core players fell apart for us. You can't do that anymore. The excuses are out the window. We did everything the best we possibly could. 
and no little tricks or tweaks or this or that or the other. Von Miller, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, J.J. Watt, T. Higgins, I don't care who it is, uh, Patrick Queen, nothing is going to fix the fact that the 49ers were able to bring pressure with four guys. Our offensive line could not block, so we struggled to run the ball. We struggled to block for Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers played poorly as a result because there's nowhere to throw the ball because they're dropping extra guys in coverage because they're only bringing four and they're able to get home with four. If you can do that to the Packers, you're probably going to beat the Packers. That's what happened. That's what they did, and we lost. Maybe if we had a better offensive line. Great. There's a theory for you. The offensive line let us down again, which is something that happens every single year. We don't ever talk about it. We talk about free agents and wide receivers and all these random things. I feel like offensive line has been a consistent weak point in these key losses, which is why I think going forward, that is the direction we're going to go as offensive line. And that is an area where we can learn a little bit and try to build in the future towards something. Okay, here's here's an area we can tweak, try to improve. But again, even that's not a magic pill. There's other things that can fail. There's other things that can go wrong. There's injuries. David Bakhtiari getting hurt two years in a row. You can't plan for that. We have a good offensive line. Unfortunately, David Bakhtiari wasn't playing. Unfortunately, um, Elton Jenkins wasn't playing. Unfortunately, the center that we drafted has been injured half the year and maybe didn't put out his best performance. How do you fix that? What do you do about that? Nothing you can do about that, man. It's football. So... Anyways, uh, I've said that now a million times, but it keeps popping up. So there it is again. And, and again, anybody that wants to address that, let me know. Again, I'm not opposed to free agency or trading, but I'm tired of the lack of acknowledgement that it comes at a cost. It, it's as though we refuse to acknowledge there is a cost to this. It's the same thing like with politics. Well, here's a problem. Here's the solution. Okay, but you understand if we implement that, there are going to be negative ramifications, right? No, 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 no. It's just all positive. Everything's positive. It's just, we just fix the problem. That's it. Nothing else happens. No negative ramifications. I don't hear anything you're saying. All I hear is we fixed it and the world is better. Nope. What usually happens is we didn't fix it and we get all the negative ramifications. That's usually the problem. And that's why I'm so relative, generally anti-big moves in free agency and trade. The negatives we know are going to happen. They're absolutes. They will happen. The positives are unknown. That's the reason there's so much risk. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Check it out. Um, supposedly, in the next couple minutes here, going to be doing an uh, episode with the Acme Army podcast. I have not uh, spoken with these fine gentlemen uh, at all, so that'll be a first. But uh, be sure to check that out. Otherwise, have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.